It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, everyone. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. I don't know, but I've been told. I'm Mike, that's Tommy. Hey, what's up? That's Kevin. Uh, what's up, y'all? That was one of the... I don't know if better or worse <laughs> that you've had. One of the more unique. Yeah, yeah sure. I was debating how to do it. I was debating whether I should just go through like more of the song or the chant or just kind of leave it uh, at Feel that. free if you'd like to continue. No, I was wondering if you would have picked up on it and like done the response, but then I didn't want to risk it, so I just said, nah. It's probably a good call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling all your friends. Appreciate it. It's really helping us out. Uh, we got some irons in the fire. Not another another time that is not a very special episode. It might still be a special episode, but it's not a very special episode with a guest and whatnot. But I'm working on that. It's a different kind of special, as we always say. Yes. So, Tommy, what is our topic today? We're going to talk about training camp at D2. Yes. So... We all come in and we see that the Ducks meet the new Ducks, I guess, or Team USA, the the Ringers. They're at Taylor Falls. And I guess I'm interested in the structure of this training camp. How long do you think this is? And how long are they just away from their parents' school? I guess it's the summer, but um, just their parents then. I can't imagine it's any longer than like a month. Uh, yeah, for some reason, like three weeks kind of seems like a good amount of like training camp between like three weeks and then like you have an exhibition or maybe three weeks. Then you ha- you have like a couple of exhibitions in there and then you have your first game or something like that. What, do we know when did the Goodwill Games start? Do we have a date? We just have the date on the uh, USA Today cover when they uh, I don't remember which cover it is. I, I bet you it's Russ's cover that we see. But that's in uh, June or July of some sort. So, I mean, you figure this is like beginning of summer, end of spring. I mean, I was going to even say like they might have already been out of school, which yeah. the whole tutoring thing doesn't make a lot of sense in that case. But Oh. Because, um, I mean, I, I guess it varies from region to region when summer starts. Like where I grew up, it starts mid to the end of May. But then like my cousins on the East Coast, they all like went – until june yeah and started so i don't know how it goes i guess most of them are from minnesota but yeah Yeah, i I can also imagine that there being some kind of stipulation at the goodwill games like each like team has to have some kind of tutor or something like that you know making it not just about athletics but also kind of learning because i don't think they're also they're learning about like not taking math classes but they're probably doing like cultural things things like that like the olympics (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah did team usa always dominate <laughs> yeah which so, is a good question according to team portman <laughs> yes 
the first time we really get introduced to this training camp is the first time we're introduced to the ringers. And it's kind of a weird situation to me because the Ducks are all standing there, the ringers come out, and then they have their own little individual showcases. Now, what kind of effect do you think it has on those kids? I mean, how much pressure is there on that first little showcase to be good? I, like Before I answer, I... I keep picturing like if this had happened like in my athletic life, like if if we were sitting there at at basketball practice and coach is like, I want to introduce you guys to a new player, and he just comes out there and starts <laughs> doing all sorts of, like and one moves, and then like goes up and three sixty dunks it or something. All of us would be like, well, fuck, there goes my playing time. <laughs> like, so I, I'm just it would be I would imagine in some cases, I mean the Ducks were all fairly good players, I guess. Um, in some cases, you'd think it'd be almost demoralizing mm-hmm. for them. I think it would have, and it kind of did, but it would have the potential to kind of wreck some chemistry that you've got going on. I think they see it and they are like, wow, these guys are good. So they're just like, we need to show them up. But I think they're still like cocky enough that, like, you know, we're the Ducks, we're the, you know, yeah. we dethroned the Hawks, the greatest Pee Wee dynasty of all time. So I, I, and I think I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but. I like how this is also Bombay's like first time seeing them. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's like, "Who's this kid?" <laughs> like, he had no idea. He who wasn't even was... like given a roster like <laughs> yeah. that morning. Like, by the way, like he doesn't even know he's there to coach Team USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tibbles did a lot of work behind the scenes. Apparently, is it the right way to lead off the camp with this little showcase for the newbies? I I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. Like hindsight, they did win the gold. <laughs> yeah, but I can imagine like the coach essentially is potentially lost control oh, right absolutely. at the beginning. It's going to take like great camp to kind of do this. But at the same time, we've talked about Bombay's unorthodox methods. Maybe this was kind of the master plan, like knowing that introducing this way would kind of divide him. So he had to break them all down to kind of build them back up. Like, and I- I'm uh, not to use well i do this all the time but another basketball reference like i I might be the bulls no but kind of (laughs) uh i keep thinking like and i and bombay didn't really have anything to do with it but you know whenever they show up and they put on this little show or whatever and then you imagine bombay having to be like no don't do that after he was like hey showcase your crazy talents Uh for the rest of the team it'd be a similar situation like how everybody always said the only person that could ever hold michael jordan under 20 points was dean smith like it'd be mm-hmm. him like trying to do that, but without the benefit of being that authoritative figure to begin with. Yeah, it does set up like an interesting ducks versus new guys dynamic, which I don't think is great for team chemistry, but they seem to get it together relatively quickly. Um, staying kind of on those introductions. So Dwayne just comes onto the ice with like a cowboy hat. Portman is on the ice and then he goes to the bench and puts on like his headphones and starts jamming. I mean, is this a kind of a show-off move for the new Ducks, or is this just something that these guys do just before every game? Uh, I mean, I could definitely see Dwayne wearing his cowboy hat in the <laughs> locker room, and like, def- Portman's definitely listening to music and like trying to tear the sleeves off his USA sweater or whatever. Um, but I think that is kind of like a showcase. They, I mean, Tibbles were probably like, yeah, show them, you know, show them what, what you got. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, I definitely think there's some there's some showmanship there on their mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And then they scrimmage right away, which 
interesting. It kind of goes back to the ducks versus them dynamic, but then the newbies kind of win. How much does that play into the ducks accepting these new guys that they're they got dominated basically? See, I don't think it. I don't think it helps. Oh, okay. you know, I I think that kind of hurts progress more than anything else. I don't think it's like a. Oh yeah, well, they beat us, so we respect them. Now it's no, they beat us. Now we hate them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's more of that than respect gained. I think. Um, well, remember um, one thing Bombay asked is like, haven't you guys been practicing? Mm-hmm. So I bet he kind of knew that they were soft going in, but the Ducks thought they were all hard, and so this was kind of maybe a good wake-up call for the Ducks. I, I don't think it's like immediately, well, we respect these guys. I think it's like, wow, we suck right now. And then like you, when you tie them all together, like I think that kind of helps build, build them up. I mean, it's very, very unorthodox, but it, it works out. Yeah, I think you could definitely argue that it was a good move on Bombay's part to have them scrimmage. Was that like a conscious move by Bombay, or did he kind of fall into that where it woke them up i don't know maybe he had seen the ducks play a little bit before that like he was kind of you know they were Uh whatever skating around and whatnot and he's like man these guys are rusty like we need to whip them into shape quick so maybe it was um i i don't know for sure obviously (laughs) i think it was also a good way to just see the new players because clearly bombay either wasn't given or hasn't read the scouting report so he needs to see the new guys as much as like the old guys so yeah, and kind of going on your, I guess, all of our theory of Bombay's unorthodox practice methods, he kind of brings them together. Um, by the end of it, they're all kind of square dancing with Dwayne. Just how much of the training camp was that pulling the team together versus like actual drills that didn't make the documentary and that we we didn't see like how much did we not see from that training camp i think we didn't see a great deal yeah I mean, i'm pretty sure there were some pretty hardcore practices uh at some point during that process there had to be for them to kind of come out the other side as a unit you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it wasn't like oh man we we tied goldberg up and now we're best friends like, <laughs> like that's not how that worked yeah. i see bombay as very much having like like, he has things like rewards for the team. Like, you know, Friday we always do something fun. But I could also imagine doing, like, they show up on Wednesday. And, like, you know, Kevin Sumlin did with Texas A&M. They all show up in the pad. He's like, go hit the showers. We're going to the movies. I can imagine him doing things like that, kind of breaking up the monotony of, like, the really, you know, hard, intense drills and, you know, them growing like that. Because if you're just like, oh, man, you know, Tuesdays are always the worst or whatever, mm-hmm. Wednesdays. and But, you know, when you keep it fresh like that, you're just like, oh, I wonder what we're going to do today. And you're still like looking forward to practice and you're getting better. Unless it was more of like an Herb Brooks type style, you know, where it's just like pedal to the metal. Got to get these guys in in shape to, you know, we only have three weeks to do this. Like mm-hmm. we have to go pedal to the metal here. I think it was maybe a combination. I could think also he was doing a lot of like hidden conditioning, whatever. Like if you're, I mean the whole like with, Dwayne like roping I mean you're still skating around and mm-hmm. you know there's not much that you could apply it to hockey but you're still like getting in fitness things like that so like if it's like and if you play a sport you like like I remember I like wrestled in middle school and then like every now and then we just like have a huge game of dodgeball or something and you know it was real competitive so I had the competitive nature and then you're still running around so it's good 
Um, so I can imagine them doing something like that on the ice. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but at any point in D2 during that training camp, do they skate around a shopping mall? They do not. Oh, that is the that's like the patent. That's like the go to. They do skate outside, like when Bombay's. Yeah, the... like right at the end of training camp, they yeah. skate out. They all rollerblade outside in like the middle of a two way street. So, uh, safety first. <laughs> yeah, they're all wearing their their helmets and their elbow pads and <laughs> that's knee pads. True. Yeah, that's true. Now, good role models. At mm. this point, I believe there are thirteen kids on the team. Uh. And I believe it's only Bombay and Michelle McKay there as adults. I'm not completely sure. So how does the supervision here work? Is there enough adults to kind of wrangle these children? Before we answer that, can we also talk about how, like, did they never think that they would need an assistant coach? Or, like, how is this the only team in the history of sports that's Mm -hmm. ever not had an assistant coach? You know, it's the Minnesota Miracle Man, not Miracle (laughs) Men, Kevin. That's true. That's that's an excellent point. I, I I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it might have been a Tibbles marketing deal. Like he can handle the whole team himself. Maybe Tibbles thought he would be more involved, and he just got caught up into kind of general managing the situation. He had a lot of deals to work with and and external stuff. Uh, but the the lack of an assistant coach obviously comes back to hurt them. So. I don't know if Bombay either chose not to have a coach or Tibbles. Or maybe somebody stiffed him. Oh. Well, remember, like, once they kind of get worked by Iceland and Bombay kind of has his, like, epiphany, Jan, you know, comes in and helps, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if there's, like, support personnel that we don't see. Because only 13 kids, that's really not a ton. I mean, yeah. you think, you know, a basketball team, you're going to want assistance. Even on the bench, though, like during games, like every sport, you always have some assistance. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if there's just support personnel that we don't see. I mean, in terms of like, because a lot of the assistants, oh, we got to plan, um, you know, dinner tonight for the team or, you know, got to make sure that we're getting all the equipment taken care of, whatever. So I can imagine there being people who help out in a sense, but Bombay is fully in control. And yeah, again, these unorthodox me- you know, methods of no assistant or whatever. Do these support personnel feel slighted when, you know, Bombay comes around, they go on to win the gold and there's really no credit for the support personnel that Bombay gives or anybody really gives. No, they, nobody ever gets give or gets credit for that in any sport. Yeah. Is a video level. coordinator getting yeah. a, I mean, yeah, he gets a championship ring, but he's yeah. not getting a, he's not getting a shout out by for, from freaking Popovich. Yeah. Isn't, Given okay. the towel boy a, I'll re, a hug. I'll re-ask that question a different way. Is Bombay appreciative of the support staff, or does he just try to take kind of all the credit? This probably depends on which Bombay we're talking about. That's Are we talking point. about Captain Blood? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, probably, I mean, I yeah. I think he's pre- appreciative. Remember, he kisses Michelle McKay on the, the cheek when she takes over the the team. I think that kind of... Maybe he's like, oh, shit, we should have had an assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I forgot something. Yeah, but he has nefarious motives there. I guess my theory is he has nefarious motives there. when he With gets Michelle McKay? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all know Bombay. <laughs> exactly. So He's thinking Iceland chick and <laughs> Michelle McKay. Do you think maybe he doesn't get an assistant because he knows that they might detract from him? Like, 
he's like Iceland chicks. He's like, oh my gosh, he's coaching all those kids. He's a great father figure and <laughs> he's a winner. And if there's an, like a, a gruff assistant, like I can imagine him picking an assistant who's like 45, fat, mustache, balding. <laughs> His limo driver. From- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, maybe um, maybe his ego gets in the way of him picking an assistant. Mm. Could have had devastating consequences. Does not, though, in the end. Now, we've talked about Bombay's unorthodox practices. Uh, we've kind of seen these in the previous documentary, D1, but... Michelle McKay is very new to the situation. Tibbles probably knows a little bit based on what Jan or Hans has told him. But what do they make of Bombay tying up the whole team and telling them to move together or just stopping practice and square dancing? I, I can imagine Tibbles seeing this and being like, oh, we're going to sell like videos like Bombay's hockey tips or something like that. Like, of course, before they lose to Iceland. So I think he's all for it. See, I, I, I could kind of see him being like, what the hell have I done? What is this wild card doing? Like, there's no discipline whatsoever here. And I could see him kind of freaking out a little bit. I think there's discipline. I mean, tying up the team, I mean, I, I think he's, uh, I don't think it's more of a discipline thing. I could see him getting, like, uh, are we, why aren't you guys, you know, practicing plays? But that's why I think there's a lot that we don't see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Tibbles. We established that when mm-hmm. we talked about Tibbles. I think that was 21. That was one of episode our better 21. episodes. It was a good one. Yeah, so it's tough to uh, – I think it would t- Tibbles would be in a tough situation there because he he would kind of, like, enjoy it being fun and that kind of stuff. That's, that's part of his personality. But he's probably feeling the heat at some point. So tough situation for Tibbles. Now, I opened – the show with the I don't know, but I've been told chant. It was beautiful. Thank you. The great chant kind of lasted beyond. It was kind of like that when I was eight, nine years old, I was making the chant. Like we were doing that chant. So it's kind of gotten a life, I don't want to say of its own, but it's, it's extended the life of the movie maybe. I don't know. Where... Does it rank for you guys? Because I'm obviously very um, nostalgic, I guess, about the chant. I just love it. So where does it rank for you in terms of this movie and all the moments inside of this movie? I honestly, I, I'm having a hard time recalling the rest of it. It's like, I don't know, but I've been told team U- USA the USA is going to win, win the gold. The gold. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what, in what context did you... Yeah, that, chant that, that that chant did not like stick with me as like yeah. a seminal moment. Really? Yeah. Okay. It might be a a Mike original. I mean, we should definitely bring it back for the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Can yeah. We say that. Okay. It's interesting. So you guys, was it is it a forgettable moment or is it just kind of like a? I honestly didn't really remember. I mean, I, I remember that scene and yeah. I remember them chanting something, but I don't remember, and it, I didn't really remember what it was. I mean, I, I, I remember it, but I, I'm not like, it doesn't stick in my head like. Um, iconic. Yeah, I, iconic. I mean, it's I definitely remember. One thing I remember is them all doing like a weird jump on their rollerblades. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like jumping for no reason. Yeah. Also, imagine if one of them had gotten hurt. Oh, yeah. That shit storm that would have <laughs> rained down. Imagine if Banks had gotten hurt. Gotten hurt rollerblading outside. Yeah. Hit on by a, a car. two-way street, just in the middle of it. Uh, Do you think it was closed off, though, for, like, USA training? 
Maybe. They might have been just up in the hills. Some of those su- support personnel. It, it, it looked would, very scenic. It would so. be fun to take those kind of uh, those kind of moments from other sports documentaries. Uh, like uh, the scene in Remember the Titans where they go on a jog. Um, in the big green, they go on a jog outside yeah. <laughs> or something. So it'd be fun to compare and contrast those, maybe a future episode there. Oh, it's not a bad idea. Not I'm a bad idea. I'm trying to think of what they do in Little Giants. I know, I'm not sure if they do a ton of unorthodox training. I mean, the Little Giants just aren't very good. Yeah. I mean, that one kid, Jake, has got like all the basically foam pads. Those foam, him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or they do like the, the foaming at the mouth thing. That's, that was in the game for a yeah, day. That's true, yeah, that's yeah. Now, one thing that kind of uh, stuck out to me the last time I viewed the rollerblading scene is Goldberg. So we know Goldberg has some trouble on the rollerblades. He has some trouble at the beginning of D2, has some trouble at the beginning of D3. Yes. But he seems to kind of stay with the group here when this whole training session. So my question is, is Goldberg a good rollerblader with bad moments or is he a bad rollerblader with good moments it's a pretty flat terrain though right also aren't they going oh, i think they're going downhill a little bit so it's like easier so it's yeah, not like he's he kind of coasting yeah yeah because in the other scenarios he's like skating around a shopping mall which i don't care what level of rollerblader you are would be a difficult task well, and or down hills, jumping over cars and bri- off of bridges well he's doing that because he like lost control so he He's just rollerblading a lot. Like, I think D3, he's just rollerblading a lot. Luckily, nobody rolled a, a, a water hose out in front of him either. <laughs> and well, he just kind of uh, sways off, and then he gets into all that trouble. He just has incredible balance. So. Maybe, maybe we can't see it, but maybe Dwayne, like, tied a rope around his waist for <laughs> Goldberg, and it's, like, pulling Goldberg along. <laughs> you know, because he's a good friend. He's a good guy. I also think that. that he probably... Um, like digress as a skater between D2 and D3 because you know how he loses his starting spot. Mm. And so, you know, maybe he was kind of in the peak of his goaltending life at D2. But I, I also like the the visual of like Goldberg like drinking a soda at the back of the pack. <laughs> while Some cheese puffs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keeping his energy up. Okay, so that's kind of Carbo where... loading. <laughs> that's kind of where the training camp ends. And if you look beyond it, obviously... Team USA gets off to a good start, gets murdered by Iceland, has to like come back against Germany. They go to gold, they win the gold. So I think the overall question here is, was the training camp effective or was it kind of ineffective because of that blindsidedness that they had from the Iceland game? I think it was effective, except they did not can do enough scouting but at the same time how much do you want to scout like opponent number five in training camp that's um, that's up to bombay to look at them on his own and then kind of bring it out and like and also train prepare them kind of stealthily i think it was effective in that uh they learned a lot that they were able to draw from after that loss it's like they were able to hearken back so to speak to training camp Uh uh-huh after they had got, their heads had gotten a little, you know, inflated, and then they, you know, Iceland, you know, beat the shit out of them. So they were able to kind of draw on that experience to kind of rebound and regain their their form. Yeah, I can see that. 
I, I like Tommy's point. I think the scouting was bad. I think that's on Bombay because Tibble says at the beginning, like when Portman is introduced, he's an enforcer. You're going to need him when you play Iceland. Like Iceland's obviously the team to beat here. So you figured you would look into Iceland a little more if you were Bombay, but he does not do that. So uh, just poor scouting from Bombay. I, I like it's hard to argue with the results. So I would say it was effective as well because it did bring the team together somehow in that in that short time period, despite the kind of rocky start. So um, good work, I guess, by Bombay and Tibbles and all that. I, I want to bring up one thing that kind of goes into the training camp aspect. Do you think he picked all the room assignments though? Did Bombay pick all the yeah? Because like you, I think you could also argue that they kind of grew together yeah. as you know roommates. I mean, they're clowning around, they're having fun, and I mean Fulton and Portman. Do they pick each other as roommates? You know, I think um, I think Bombay might have come up with some room assignments. Interesting. Or maybe one of those unheralded support personnel people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, shout it, out to Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky, the support personnel person. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, he uh, he did a good job. It might have been just like age, size, who knows? Because you had poor Minifold, and then you I'm had, sure Connie and and uh, the cat were were roommates. Yeah, and then you had who was in that room? It was Goldberg with all the new guys. Basically, it was Ken Wu, Luis Mendoza, and Dwayne Robertson, and they were all playing prank. So maybe uh, what was the guy's support personnel? Guy Ricky. Name? Ricky. Maybe Ricky was like. Let's put Goldberg with them because he's like the affable guy. I think yeah. I, I I would argue that's a that's a weird uh, that's a weird room assignment to make. Like you'd think you were, you'd want to intersperse them with the rest of the ducks. Well, you think although like because um, it was just Fulton and um, Portman and Portman, so maybe there are only two for room, but they like got together. Were, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, point. so you probably had like um, an old duck with a new duck mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I would I would imagine that's how you would want to do it. Yeah. And so then, like Goldberg's like, "Oh, hey, I'm gonna go hang out with um, Averman. Hey, my roommate Mendoza, come with you know, come with us or whatever." Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. And then I guess there was just one old duck missing when they tried to play the prank on Dwayne because it was yeah. three new ones and then one old one. All right, fair enough. Kevin, do you have the quack question? Thank you for dragging that out as much as you could. I like um, to do it. It's fun. Uh, I do. So, uh, this quack question, hang on one second. This quack question comes from at barbell Winnie at, and that's at barbell underscore Winnie, um, through various channels. Uh, (laughs) I believe that's a Twitter handle. Um, the, uh, her question is, uh, I have an idea about the next, wait, hang on. (laughs) Is that the right one? Yes, okay. Can you talk about why in D3, the team didn't give a single reaction to Adam making it to varsity? Adam said, I made it to varsity? Or that's not the correct <laughs> emphasis. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Let me try that again. Adam said, I made it to varsity? With a confused expression. And then it was like the team didn't care. Even worse, the team decided to put extra ice on Adam's jersey, and Charlie accused Adam of having something to do with the dinner scam. Did the team's four years of friendship with Adam mean nothing? 
That's a good question. Yeah. That's a solid question right there. Good question. Now I haven't I haven't viewed the events recently, but um I think it was just such a moment of shock. I don't think anyone assumed that Banks was gonna play Vars. I think they all came in, they all assumed they were gonna play. Kind of blindsided them. Yeah, so when he's like, I'm on varsity, everyone's like, What? And then they like just didn't know how to react. And Goldberg doesn't he like kind of immediately like chime in like ah you you know where you are sitting between the pipes or whatever. I I think this um uh, some of it kind of goes back to that resentment factor um that we we could have seen in D two whenever they see the like the studs come in and give their little show or whatever um like a lot of what Adam made it I I should be up there you know that kind of thing so so that maybe some resentment grew. Um, cause I mean, that happens all the time. Oh yeah. There was definitely a resentment once Banks was up on varsity and away from them and they had to, they had to do the ice. They couldn't hold back just Banks. I think that would have hurt him. That would have hurt Banks varsity. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that would have Banks more. I, I don't think they were looking out for Banks by like, by doing that though. They, I don't think that went through their minds when they were like, oh, we have to do this to Banks. Otherwise Banks will get ripped by varsity. That's not at all what went through their mind. They wanted to, you know. Raz Banks. Yeah, he's one of them now. Yeah. So I, I could see though, and like back then they didn't like have cell phones, or whatever. But I can imagine like a guy like Russ, like kind of grabbing Banks' cell phone from his bag or something, putting it in his pocket, so he didn't like ruin his cell phone or whatever. But because they still uh, they don't raise him as much. Because remember at the end, it's like oh you can have Banks back. They're all just like, and there's again like no reaction whatsoever. Yeah, that is weird how they they just kind of they never really developed that. Yeah, they're just like yeah. Whatever, yeah. we'll take it. Yeah, them. and then like I guess I know we've kind of talked about how the varsity like they don't seem to acknowledge the coach is like, uh, why did you just give away Banks? Like <laughs> you know he's on our second line or whatever. We yeah. get him back, you dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because yeah they do hate Banks and then all of a sudden they want him back like right away. So I don't know if there was something that happened that was not captured by the cameras or whatnot. Um, I think. Like like Banks slept with Connie or something? No, I, or some sort of like apology Banks had or something. Maybe he made oh, them the, a oh, cake. Oh, the second yeah, time. He yeah, made them a separate cake or something. Yeah. <laughs> I said, sorry for dinner, losers. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Banks... It took a second to register. <laughs> <laughs> I think when, if you, when you're looking at the dinner, I think the hatred was there because it was Banks who said... It's cool, guys. Like, you can come. It's not like... It's tradition. It's cool. Yeah. So I think the resentment there was like, he told us. Like, we're here because he told us. He led the lambs to the slaughter. Yeah. But remember, we talked about how Banks actually was covertly trying to warn them in the bathroom, but (laughs) he was too thick to not realize it. Yeah. We did talk about that. I don't remember what episode that was. It'll be in the show notes. It's another good one. It is a good one. Yeah. So... As far as I think, I think it's easy to see that there. I think the harder part is that beginning one, and like how much did that like four years or yeah four years of friendship matter because they are not happy for Banks, but maybe they just felt like they were losing him, and so it was like losing a friend. And they know? also probably just had like the hardest practice of their lives. Remember, they all get there and they're just like, "Bury me right here, I'm dead," and so it's tough to like kind of like be super responsive when you're just like skating your ass off or whatever. That's so. true. That's a great point. Um, 
Yeah, they. I don't think there's any hard feelings because they take Banks back right away. Banks wants to come back. He cheers for them when they're playing the Blake Bears. So no hard feelings there. If you had hard feelings for us, go to thequackdeck.com, contact us. You can tell us them. Uh, at Pod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quackattackpod. Quackattack store is open. People are buying shirts. Selling like hotcakes. Selling like hotcakes. I don't even know what hotcakes are anymore, but we're selling like them. And that's, that's the quackattack.threadless.com. Yes, the quackattack.threadless.com. You can also go to the quackattack and click shop, and it will be there. Um, I believe it's also on the Facebook page if you click shop. And then finally, just go to iTunes. Give us a, give us a review. Tell us whether you loved the uh i don't know but i've been told chan as much as i did or you just forgot about it like tommy and kevin i didn't forget about it just like didn't wasn't in love with it it's not my ringtone like it is yours it used to be can confirm that is his ringtone <laughs> anyway and uh and, and uh you know share some love on twitter let's uh get some friends to follow us you know we're trying to get to Get those follower numbers up, and uh, it starts with you guys. Yeah, we're getting close to 400 there, so who knows what will happen when we have 400. Stuff stuff might go down, so keep them going. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. Ain't no turning back. Got to be